everybody, this is Kendall from the Recording Lounge Podcast, and today I've got a bit of an interesting episode for you. We're talking about how to stay in tune. Now, I apologize to the keyboard players and drummers out there, but this episode may not be as relevant to you as it would be to anybody who plays a stringed instrument. Now, uh, this might still be interesting to uh, pianists that play a real piano, but um, for the most part, we're talking about keeping guitars and stringed instruments in tune and how that can really, it's a very deep process and it can really complicate things and be a huge headache in the studio. And I had a couple requests to do a show about tuning um, because, it, I mean, it really is something we struggle with, especially when dealing with guitar rock bands, you know, with layers and layers of guitars, trying to keep things all in tune and making sure that things sound good together. Because as you know, little tiny bits of out of tuneness in a song can really start to uh, build up and sound like the whole song is out of tune. Uh, we also are going to talk a little bit about tuning things like vocals uh, just briefly and how it relates to this whole issue. So, all right, so let's get started. So the first thing I wanted to do is just talk about some of the factors that play into guitar and bass tuning and why it can be so difficult for us to keep things in tune. So what are the factors at play? What are all the things you need to consider and check on your instruments or on your clients' instruments uh, to make sure everything's in proper working order? The first thing to consider is the tuning machines. Now, we all know that some guitars have really, really nice tuning machines and other guitars have really bad ones. Some people prefer locking tuners. Some people prefer these sort of like super high ratio modern tuners. There's so many different tuners out there, but what is best? Um, truth be told, that's definitely a matter of opinion. Me personally, I like Spurzel locking tuners and I also like Cluson tuners. Um, but I, you know, I've tried a lot of different tuners and those work for me. Um, but you know, it, it's, uh, at the end of the day, a lot of it has to do with just how well is it working for the guitar? You know, I think locking tuners help the guitar stay in tune. It keeps the string from slipping. Um, some people would say, oh no, that won't affect it at all. Um, but me personally, I have found guitars with locking tuners to tuners to stay in better tune. Uh, it's about a 50 to $70 upgrade for a guitar. Um, it often, unfortunately, does require modification of the guitar itself or of the headstock, drilling new holes, uh, etc. Not always. Um, there are definitely some out there that don't require any modification. But, um, yeah, it, 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 to me, makes a big difference. Um, the next factor is the string winding and how you actually wind it on the peg uh, if it is not a locking tuner design. Now, with locking tuners, you really you kind of just pull the string straight through and then wind it up. So it ends up winding over itself maybe once or twice. But, um, you know, how you uh, wind the string on a peg like a standard, you know, Telecaster or Stratocaster peg that's not locking. Um, you know, some people, some luthiers or techs will tell you uh, it really only needs to have, you know, three or four winds. Some people will do an, uh, like, almost like a knot in the string when they wind it up to keep it from slipping. There's a lot of different factors there. Go do your research on those and see what works best for you. Obviously, the string gauge will have a lot to do with the tuning stability. 
and the string brand and type and design and how it's wound and everything. Uh, flat wound strings will tend to stay in tune a little bit better than round wound strings, but being a guitar player, I mostly play round wound strings. Now, there are certain strings out there. There's a brand called SIT, which stands for Stay in Tune. And my personal opinion is that they didn't stay in tune any better than any other string. But again, that's just from my experience. Some of you might have played those and said, wow, these are amazing. They stay in tune way better. I don't know. Um, but how a string is made will determine how sort of stretchy it is and how the winds sort of expand as that string is stretched and played over time. Um, and of course, the gauge, especially on the wound strings, will affect how much sort of uh, play there is when you actually are striking the note, um, sort of how much it will move. Floppier, lower, you know, a smaller gauge strings will flop around a little bit more. Heavier gauge strings will not move as much. And while they do produce a thicker tone, they suffer a little bit sometimes in brightness. Um, and they're a little harder to play, uh, but they do generally stay in tune a little bit better. Now, you also have the string tension, and a lot of this has to do with the bridge design. So, for example, on a Les Paul, you have a tunomatic style bridge, and you have the saddle, and then you have the stop tailpiece, and you can adjust the stop tailpiece up or down away from the body to adjust the string tension um, and the brake angle. Now, this will have a big effect on how the guitar feels and how well it stays in tune. Um, for example, on certain P basses and jazz basses, you can string the strings through the top or through the back of the guitar, and uh, you know that will definitely affect the tension. You get an extra like, you know, inch and a half when you go through the body. Um, you get a little bit more length and tension on that string, which, in my opinion, tighter tension will lead to better tuning stability. Uh, I find that that's one of the many factors that contributes to uh, Gibsons having a harder time. Gibson guitars tend to have a shorter scale, um, and a lot of times, you know, people will use certain string, heavier strings, but then lighter tension, and there's a there's a whole cocktail of problems as you're seeing so far. While we're on the Gibson train, I wanted to also mention the headstock design. So, as you'll notice on something like a Fender Telecaster, the strings come out of the nut at a straight angle. Okay, They come straight out of the nut and go to their respective tuners. But on a Gibson, we have a three-on-a-side headstock. Now, this creates sort of a strange break angle from the nut. When the string goes through the nut, it has to go, you know, left, 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 right, right, right. And that puts this weird sort of binding kink in the nut where the string breaks from the nut. Now, there's actually a device, very recent device, called the String Butler. And uh, I highly recommend that uh, Gibson players check that out. I recently got one for my SG, and it really is an amazing device. It, it basically has a system of rollers that allow the strings to come out of the nut at a straight angle, but then uh, on these rollers then go to their respective tuners. It's non-permanent and non-damaging to the guitar. Uh, you can just install it underneath the tuners, provided that it's got a modern-style tuner. 
And um, yeah, it's really an interesting product. But again, the headstock design will have a big factor in it. Gibson guitars like Firebirds have a straight through design where the strings go straight through the nut. But on most Gibson guitars, like Les Pauls, SGs, etc., um, they go sort of the three on the side uh, headstock sort of situation. And that definitely contributes to uh, how well it stays in tune. Now, while we're talking about that, I would say one of the biggest factors in staying in tune is the nut. Now, the nut on a guitar is often made of a plastic or synthetic ivory or synthetic bone or real bone or some sort of material like that. And that can drastically change how well uh, the string can slide easily through that nut and not be bound when doing bends or when tuning or when doing anything like that. Uh, I find that Graftech um, makes the best, most slippery uh, material for guitar nuts because it's it's some sort of synthetic graphite or real graphite or synthetic ivory or something, um, but it seems to work best with guitars that I have built, and it just seems to not ever really bind or give me any issues like that. Now, if you aren't needing to replace the nut, I do recommend you go take your guitar to a tech and have them check the slots, make sure that they are smooth and lubed up because, you know, they make uh, lube that you can use for the slots uh, to make sure that it's not too, uh, that it's not binding or anything. But they also need to be sanded smooth uh, to make sure that you're not getting any catching in the nut, especially on three on a side headstock designs. Um, so anyway, again, a lot of that is a matter of opinion, what works best, you know, and same thing goes for the saddle design. Um, for example, on Gibson style guitars where you have the tunomatic sort of setup, you have roller bridges and you have sort of standard bridges. You've got some made out of uh, titanium and some out of aluminum and some out of sort of like a cobalt or like a lead mixture, some sort of pot metal combination thing, you know, and, and that will definitely, and, and again, how uh, smooth are those slots where the strings uh, sit on the saddles? Are, are the strings potentially catching or binding in those slots? Um, that's another factor that contributes to how well the string stays in tune. So another thing we have is fret height and just general setup. Now, uh, now the fret height is something you can't really control unless you get a refret or unless you're building a guitar yourself. And the fret height definitely has a huge, fa uh, a huge effect on how well one can play in tune on a guitar. Now, typically, uh, you know, there are lots of guitars out there that use sort of low, wide frets. And that means that you don't have to press very hard to get a sound, um, and and you feel it feels very easy to play. Now with higher frets, uh, like on some Telecasters and things like that, you actually don't have to press any harder. But the problem is, a lot of times it can feel like you do because you're not actually touching any wood with your fingers. So you press down, and it's like, oh, I'm not there yet. And it can be hard to get used to. Um, if you've ever seen guitars with scalloped necks, where they essentially scallop out the frets and sort of carve them out, 
Um, that's because the wood on the on the fretboard actually is not part of the string sound at all. The string sound that you're hearing is coming from, you know, it being the new nut, so to speak, being the fret that you're pressing. Um, the the wood on the fingerboard has nothing to do with, you know, the tuning of that. The frets are what create the different, you know, tunings. Now, of course, on a fretless instrument, that's different. On an upright bass or on a fretless bass or a violin or something like that, there there are no frets. And so um, that at, your finger is the fret, so to speak. So your finger is the new sort of nut on that point. Um, but anyway, so I'm just saying that, uh, that's a huge factor in, especially in my studio where I have different players, uh, playing my guitars. I have a lot of guitars in the studio available for playing. And if I'm feeling like someone is struggling to keep a guitar in tune, my first bet is that, uh, it's one of my guitars that has higher frets. And so I generally ask them, what do you, you know, what do you normally play? Or I, I might know, and I can play their guitar a little bit and, I mean, how it plays is arguably just as important as how it sounds. You know, I might pick a guitar that might be my number two choice for sound, but in feel, it matches what they're used to closer. Um, that's a huge factor. And that, and that could even be the thickness of the neck or the thickness of the nut or the fret height or any of that stuff. Um, you know, you don't want someone to feel uncomfortable playing an instrument and really having to feel like they have to press, you know, but, uh, yeah, anyway, moving on. Uh, the general setup of the guitar, obviously the, the sort of combination of the bridge height and the nut height and the fret height and the, the neck, uh, sort of tilt and the amount of bow in the neck, all that will have a huge amount of effect on, uh, how well you can play in tune. Obviously really well set up guitars, uh, tend to play in tune and sound great all over the neck. Um, and that also factors into the intonation, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, but if you wanted an example of a guitar that comes from the factory, generally very, very well set up. To me, it's the nicer, the higher-end Gretsch guitars and the higher-end PRS guitars. Those guitars are so easy to play to me. And again, to me personally, I feel like it's effortless to play. Now, I don't actually own any PRS guitars. Uh, I haven't quite found one that I really like the look of honestly, um, or the shape or the color, but I love how they sound. I love how they play. They always record great. Um, they're just an ease. They're so easy to play. And then I have a, I have a Gretsch country gentleman, archtop guitar, or hollow body guitar that, I mean, from the factory, it just played so well. And I, I was just so impressed with the setup. I mean, I didn't have to touch anything. I didn't touch anything. And I'm usually the guy who's tweaking every little thing about my guitar until it's perfect. And I was just amazed. I was like, holy cow, this is, this is perfect right out of the case. I don't, I don't need to do anything to it, nothing at all. Uh, and I haven't touched it since. I've had it over a year and I'm still like, holy cow, I, I have never done any work to this guitar at all. Um, anyway, so you also have the uh, intonation on a guitar. Now, the intonation refers to um, how well the guitar plays in tune or bass all over the neck, okay? So it's not enough to just play in tune down at the low frets. It also needs to play in tune all the way up at the high frets. And a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about how to intonate a guitar or a bass properly, because everyone who does studio work should know how to do that. 
even if you're not someone who typically works with guitar players, you know, there might be a time when you'll have a guitar and you need to intonate it so it can record well. Um, another factor is the humidity and temperature in the room, especially on acoustic instruments like violins and cellos and uh, acoustic guitars in general. They, they are very affected by the temperature in the room and the humidity, and uh, it will change sort of the stability of the neck and of the wood and sort of how well it will stay in tune. And it just, I, I, it's, there's nothing real concrete that I can tell you in confidence and say, like, I know this for a fact, but I just know from experience that there's something when, you know, the humidity is really high, it seems like the instruments just, they seem to struggle a little bit, or when instruments come from, say, uh, you know, low humidity inside in like a humidity controlled environment, and then they go outside, or when they come from high humidity outside into the studio that's humidity controlled, sometimes they take a little bit of time to sort of acclimate and adjust. It's one of the reasons why typically um, when people come to the studio, I have them take their guitars out of their cases immediately and set them up on stands. Uh, and even if we, you know, we need an hour or two to set up for drums and guitars and all that stuff, um, I want the guitars to start acclimating to the temperature and humidity in the room. Who knows if they've had their guitar in an attic or a closet or in their car or whatever. Um, I want it to sort of get acclimated to the room and adjust and make sure that, again, we have the best possible chance of staying in tune. Uh, there's also a little bit, the last factor I have written here is just voodoo, okay? And there is something to be said for just like certain guitars just stay in tune really well. And, you know, sometimes it defies logic. And other times, um, a good friend of mine has a Gibson heart arch, I think it's a 339. Okay, it's one of those semi-hollow uh, sort of smaller 335 guitars. And it was made well, it was set up well, he got some upgrades to it, he got like a nicer bridge, he got a better nut, and it was all done by a professional luthier, and it would not stay in tune. It doesn't matter who played it, it doesn't matter who set it up, who tweaked it, it would not stay in tune. And we tried everything. He took it to three or four different people. Eventually, he sent it to Gibson with a note in the box that basically just said like, Listen, I've had this guitar for like three years, and the thing will not stay in tune. I have done everything to it. I've taken it to all these people, and he, you know, listed these people. He's like, I've done this and this and this and this. It will not stay in tune. Long story short, uh, Gibson ended up sending him a new one. Um, you know, he said on the note, like, if there's anything that, you know, you can do, please let me know. If something's wrong, um, you know, please fix it. I'll pay you to fix it. Um, but I just can't figure it out. And they ended up sending him a brand new one. And they said, basically, um, in, without really revealing too much, unfortunately, they basically said, like, his guitar was was messed up. And there was something wrong with it, just construction-wise. Uh, and it just would not stay in tune, no matter what anyone did. And um, they messed with it at the shop, too. So there is a little bit of voodoo about it. Like, like sometimes you just can't explain it. Sometimes certain guitars just don't stay in tune against all odds. They should stay in tune, but they just don't, and vice versa. Some guitars that you wouldn't think would stay in tune really well just do, and they just hold a tune. 
Um, I have also found that vintage guitars are a total toss-up. Some vintage guitars I've played um, stay in amazing tune, and they just don't fall out of tune. It's crazy. And others... Um, are just nightmares to keep in tune, especially with like trapeze bridges and things like that. Um, man, they can just be a nightmare to to keep in tune. Um, I will say one more word about bridge design is that there are so many different bridges out there. Um, you know, please consider that before buying a guitar or using a guitar on a recording. Um, there are so many out there, Tunomatics and Bigsby tremlos and Strat tremlos and Floyd Rose and trapeze style bridges and wraparound bridges. And some of the wraparound bridges have adjustments and you have, uh, on Telecasters, you've got three saddles and six saddles. You've got brass saddles. You've got compensated saddles. You've got all kinds of different things out there available to you. So please do your research, try out different guitars. Um, in all of my travels, I have decided that um, you know, aside from like the Evertune guitars, which I'm not even going to get into that, but go look up those Evertune bridges. Those are wild. They adjust the string tension constantly and basically always stay in tune. Um, but aside from those, uh, to me, Telecasters, uh, with, you know, a, the, the strings going through the body with a six saddle bridge, a really solid bridge and a good nut to me, those stay in tune better than almost any guitar. Um, obviously tremlos are going to have a little bit more issues just in general, um, than hardtail bridge designs. Um, and that goes for, you know, Strat tremlos, Bigsby tremlos, uh, all kinds of tremlos. They all seem to be a little bit finicky on tuning. Um, some are better than others. You know, I think uh, there are lots of factors that involve, you know, how it's set up and how the tremolo is designed and whether it's, you know, in good shape, if the springs are worn out, all kinds of stuff like that. But regardless, I would say in general, you know, tremolo guitars have a harder time. Uh, so just make sure you're really careful about what you buy and what you invest in and what guitar you're using for a certain part. Okay. If you're playing something that's, for example, just a rhythm guitar part, I mean, do you really need a guitar that has a tremolo on it? You know, maybe not. I mean, you want something that's going to stay in tune. And, you know, uh, with leads, you can be a little bit more liberal when it comes to tuning. You can get away with a little bit more. But rhythms especially generally need to be in really tight tuning, uh, especially in modern music. So um, I would recommend using a hardtail guitar if you've got one that suits the application in mind. Um, now, if you're playing a Floyd Rose guitar, you know, those stay in, once you have them set up, which takes forever, uh, they will stay in amazing tune. Um, but yeah, takes forever to set up. Now, the next factor I wanted to talk about um, is how to play in tune. Okay, so assuming that your guitar is solid, okay, assuming that, you know, your guitar is solid. We're now, again, we're going to talk about intonation a bit later and how to intonate a guitar. Um, but a lot of it comes back to how you play and how the player plays their instrument. Okay, one of the most common problems is pressing too hard with the fretting hand. Okay, that will overshoot the pitch, obviously, and, you know, go sharp. Um, you don't really have to press that hard. And again, the goal is not, you know, the sound is not made by pressing against the wood. It's by, you know, setting the string on the fret. Okay, so the wood is not part of that factor. So you don't and generally shouldn't be touching the wood uh, when you press down a string, unless you just have super low frets. Um, but 
again, the fret is what makes the note. Um, so with that in mind, you really don't need to press as hard as, you know, you sort of grow up learning to do on a guitar or bass. Uh, if you find yourself pressing too hard, you might want to move up a string gauge. Uh, if you don't want to sort of learn to lighten up, if that's just how you play, you might want to move up a string gauge. So there's a little bit more resistance sort of pushing you back, or you might want to adjust your string tension on your guitar if that's available to do to, again, sort of push back at the areas where you're pushing down too hard. Um, the other part is playing too hard with the, with the picking hand or, uh, you know, that whether you're right-handed or left-handed, um, playing too hard again will overshoot the pitch. Uh, if you, you've a guitar player, you, you probably understand what I mean when I say you play too hard and you get that bow sort of sound where the pitch goes sharp, 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 flat, flat, sharp, sharp. Sure. And finally settles back. You get this sort of like elastic action when you play too hard. Now, again, part of that is um, is just how you play. Some people play really hard. So again, you can get higher string gauge, adjust the tension. Um, but another part of it too is where you play on the guitar, okay? So if you play closer to the bridge where the tension is a little bit tighter, uh, I find that the tuning is a little bit better. Whereas if you play closer towards the neck, like 12, you know, edge of the fretboard area, um, that's where the string has a little bit more uh, elasticity, if you will, for lack of a better term. Uh, th there's more vibration going on there. Uh, because again, the, the string is pinched at both ends, at the far ends. And if the guitar is intonated properly, the center point is the 12th fret. Okay, that's how intonation works. That's how these strings are tensioned. So the center point is your 12th fret. And at the far uh, end, you've got the nut and the other end, you've got the saddle. Uh, so if you play closer to the middle, you're going to get more sort of of that, uh, that elastic sort of vibration area. Um, whereas if you play closer to the bridge or the saddle, uh, it's a lot tighter and a lot harder to move down there. Um, so I recommend, you know, playing somewhere around the bridge pickup. It tends to sound tighter in tuning and it's just a little bit more resistant. Uh, if you don't like that, you can, uh, if it feels too tense to play there, you could actually uh, lower your string gauge, okay? That way you have a little bit lighter string gauge, but then you're playing down at that area, uh, which will allow you to, you know, not overshoot so often. Uh, in rare cases, um, I find that guys will, or, or girls, will be palm muting their guitars too hard. So when they're actually pressing their palm down on the strings, they'll be pressing too hard, okay? You don't need a lot of tension uh, to palm mute, okay? It can be, it can be you know, the natural tendency to just like slam your palm down on the guitar as, as you're muting. Um, but pressing too hard will kind of create weird tuning issues and not really let the string speak at all. Uh, aside from like, you know, creative sounds here, I'm just talking like general palm muting. Um, the other factor that I find a lot and I see it a lot, and it's really surprising to me how often I see this is playing at the correct location on the fret. Now you wouldn't think that this would matter, but again, it's kind of like the same thing as, uh, playing with the correct location of the picking hand, um, you know, or playing closer to the bridge pickup or bridge where the tension's a little bit tighter. The proper location for your finger on the fret is right by the fret. 
That's also the proper location for a capo. Okay, so if you're on the first fret, you don't need to play in the middle of the wood area. You need to play with your finger close to the fret, very close to the fret. And when you put on a capo on the guitar, you also need to put the capo right behind the fret. Okay, that's the proper place um, to put those things, and that's where it will have the best tuning. Um, the last factor I would say with playing in tune is just consistency. You know, if you're if you're really erratic with your playing and uncontrolled, where you're playing really hard and really soft, and then uh, sometimes you're playing you know super hard on your left hand, and then your right hand is playing super light, and vice versa, and then you know there is a factor of like some players just play more consistently, and they tend to be you know tighter in tune because they're just they have good technique in both hands. They're playing, they're uh, you know pressing down a good consistent way they're they're playing consistently with their picking hand um, and it just seems to be you know something with experience you know I find that players that have been playing for a long time tend to keep guitars in tune without me having to remind them uh, to play in tune they just seem to do it better and maybe that's just better technique better instruments there's probably a ton of factors as we've already talked about but uh, those factors to me contribute the most to actually playing in tune now, another question I often get is about tuners and um, what type of tuner do I use in the studio? You know, headstock tuners or pedal tuners. Um, for me, uh, obviously, you don't have to necessarily use an, like an actual tuner when it comes to every single instrument you do. But for guitars and bass, I have a couple tricks for this. Now, um, I would first like to just talk about some of the different tuner types. So we've got like headstock tuners. We've got the sort of like chromatic, uh, like concert tuners that, you know, ton people will use. It's got a little mic on the front. Uh, we've got guitar pedal tuners and bass tuners. We've got rack tuners. Um, and for me, the best tuners I have ever used have come from Korg uh, or Peterson. And uh, Korg, I really love the Korg rack tuners. To me, they seem to be the most accurate and the most consistent across the board with, with guitar or bass. I'm not a big fan of headstock tuners. I do use them, but to me, I haven't really been impressed with them that much. Um, they just seem to sometimes just take like two or three tunings to really get right. Um, I know that there are some that are better than others. Some work with a little microphone and others actually work by like vibration through the headstock. Um, to me, I've always preferred um, a tuner like a little, you know, one of those little like uh, iPhone sized tuners uh, the, from Korg that you set on a music stand or on your knee in front of your acoustic and you play into. Those to me have better, t better tighter tuning than any headstock tuner I've ever used. Um, now I like pedal tuners pretty well, especially on, uh, you know, electric guitar and electric bass. Um, but I will mention something about these. Now, most of these have a couple of different modes. They'll have a chromatic mode and they'll have like a guitar mode and a bass mode and a strobe mode. Um, now, 
the most accurate that I've ever used and what I use on my pedal board is the strobe mode. Um, it to me gets the tightest tuning and the most consistent tuning. I know it takes a little while to get used to the strobing waving lights get a little annoying at first, but I've been doing that for probably 10 years and I don't even think about it anymore. To me, it gets a really tight tuning every single time. Um, I have also found that when using guitar, the guitar mode seems to work better. And when using bass, the bass mode seems to work better. Whereas chromatic mode I, doesn't seem to work as well for me. And I think that's because of some sort of filtering that they're doing inside of the pedal uh, to make sure that the, you know, in guitar mode, it's looking at the fundamentals that a guitar should, you know, in the guitar region. And in bass mode, it's looking at those frequencies that, you know, are in bass territory. Uh, whereas in chromatic mode, it's got this huge span of notes that it could be detecting. And I think sometimes it gets a little confused. Uh, maybe it's hearing some of the harmonics of the note. I'm not really sure. Um, but in general, my tip is try to use the same tuner and or same brand of tuner um, for everything that you do. So for me, I'm a Korg guy. So I use Korg tuners in the studio. Um, I use a little Korg like concert chromatic tuner. I've got a Korg rack tuner. Anytime we're playing guitar, we use the Korg rack tuner. Anytime we're playing bass, we use the Korg rack tuner. Um, obviously, if somebody's got a pedal board and they've got a tuner on there, I'm not going to say don't use that. But um, every now and then I have had to say like, you know, why don't you plug into this tuner um, if we're having tuning issues? And that's a little bit of a weird thing to say to someone. They're like, what do you mean? Is this like a tone guru secret? You know, it's like, no, I just think this tuner is a little bit tighter and it's, it'll help us get there faster. So again, just to recap, I think there's lots of great tuners out there. I would, I'm a little skeptical of headstock tuners myself. I would recommend personally Korg rack tuners and, uh, and also just Korg sort of these sort of little concert tuners. I also really like the Korg pedal tuners. Um, and when you can try to use them on strobe mode because it will get a more accurate, tighter tuning. And another uh, tip I'd like to share is, so I've got a Korg rack tuner in uh, the rack right to my left here, just right here. And the way that I have that set up is um, I have a headphone mix set up from my interface that has every single channel routed to it. And from that goes to the tuner, which means that I'm tuning after the microphone. Okay, I'm not tuning before, I'm tuning after the microphone. Um, that to me has helped a lot. Um, I feel like it gets me a tighter tune. Um, and, and it also allows me to, uh, you know, no matter what mic preamp that I'm plugged into, no matter what microphone I'm using or how many mics I'm using or any of that, um, that headphone mix has every single channel on it. So it is, um, it's every single channel is on, on the headphone mix and it's going to the tuner. So, um, obviously you got to make sure and only tune one person at a time, because if you got multiple people that it'll get confused, but, um, you know, I try to tune after the microphone rather than before. I feel like personally that gets me a tighter tune, um, you know, because ultimately that's what you're going to hear. Uh, I feel like it works a little better, but again, that's just my take on the matter. So the next thing we're going to talk about is how to tune. Now, again, I don't want to belittle anybody's intelligence, but there are a couple of do's and don'ts for how to actually tune up your guitar. 
Uh, so let's start with the do's first. Okay, so do stretch out your strings, pull on the strings, especially if they're brand new. New strings do need time to stretch out and get adjusted and get some sort of uh, stretching in. So I recommend when you put a string on, you know, right before you pull out a guitar of the case and, you know, you're ready to record, stretch out the strings a little bit, you know, give them a nice stretch, not too strong. Uh, a tip that I got from a luthier is never pull a string with more tension than the weight of the guitar. So what he does is he sets the guitar down on his bench and he pulls up the string until the guitar just barely lifts off the bench. Uh, and he usually pulls around the neck pickup area. And then he pulls again around the 5th fret area. So he actually pulls in two places. Sometimes he'll pull around the 12th fret area also. So he'll kind of just pull up the string, let the guitar... And his, for the record, his workbench is carpeted. So, you know, he's not doing any, like... Just bouncing on a piece of wood. Uh, so he pulls the string a little bit. He's not pressing down on the guitar. He just lets the weight of the guitar do the stretching, which I think is really interesting. Um, I, I don't really do that personally, but I think it's a really interesting idea. It's probably maybe a safe way to go. Um, I just kind of pull the string and I do what a lot of us do. And I, uh, you know, bend, do a bunch of bends and I bend on the guitar at like fifth fret, 12th fret. And then I pull the string outward from the body. I do that on every string and then I'm ready to tune up. Another do, uh, tune up to the note. Don't tune down to it. So for example, if you're trying to tune a guitar or a bass, your low string is going to be an E generally. And so if you go too far and you go to an F, don't just drop it down to the E. Go tune it all the way down to say like a D and then go up to an E. That will make sure that the string is not being bound or caught in the nut. Um, that's a huge tip that I learned from um, Joe Walsh, actually. A video of Joe Walsh a long time ago talking about that. Always tune up to a note. Um, the other tip that I would recommend is to switch on to your neck pickup on your guitar. and um, Or another option to do that would be to... Uh, turn the tone knob all the way down if, for example, you only have a bridge pickup in your guitar. Uh, if you really want to get fancy, you go to the neck pickup and turn the tone knob all the way down. Why? Because it removes those upper harmonics and gets closer... Well, I'll put it this way. When you go to the neck pickup, you're closer to the center point on the string, which is going to be a more accurate representation of the pitch of that string. And when you turn the tone knob down on your guitar or bass, you're removing those upper harmonics that can sometimes confuse a tuner, especially a chromatic tuner. Um, so that is getting you a much clearer fundamental, which is the actual note you're trying to tune, right? Is the actual fundamental pitch of that string. Not the upper harmonics, not the 2K, 3K, 4K stuff. The low E on a guitar is 82 and a half hertz around there. So you want 82 and a half hertz, not 164, not, you know, multiples with harmonics. You want 82 and a half to be what the tuner is hearing. Um, on guitar, a lot of times the second harmonic is really strong. Uh, so like 150, 200, 250 area, those harmonics on electric guitar can be really strong. Same thing on a bass too. Certain bass guitars, the second harmonic is really strong. Um, and again, in theory, it should be the same as the first, you know, the fundamental, but um, 
I just generally, I try to turn my tone knob down before I tune. I don't always go to the neck pickup, but I try to turn my tone knob down before I tune. It seems to get me a tighter tune. Uh, another do is try to check the harmonic also. Now, this is mostly to uh, kind of just check the harmonic and the 12th fret, to check your intonation very quickly, just to kind of see where you land. Um, and we're going to talk here in a minute about how to intonate your guitar properly. Um, and generally what I like to do is I check the, check it open, I check a harmonic, and then I check the 12th fret, and then I move on to the next string. Uh, I don't do that every single time. You know, I've got certain guitars that I just know stay in tune really well, um, and I don't have to do that. But my Les Paul, for example, doesn't stay in tune as well as my Telecasters, and I have to check my Les Paul at a couple different points just to make sure that it's still good. Everything's, you know, sitting in the right place. Um, and I will say it is one of my favorite Les Pauls I've ever played. And it does stay in tune better than a lot of them do. But it's still, you know, it's got that Gibson thing that tends to, you know, the Gibson G and B strings tend to uh, tend to just have issues. I don't know what it is, but it's it's, you know, a global phenomenon. Okay, let's talk about some tuning don'ts. Um, one of the big ones that I see a lot of players do is um, they will not play how they normally play when they tune. They're kind of like, oh my gosh, I hate tuning. And they'll go like ding, 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 ding. And it's like, that's not, that's not how you play. Play the normal way that you play. You know, don't play like super hard or super, super quiet. Play just like normal, just like a normal note. Like if someone said, hey, you know, play this note and you play it, you know, play it normally, right? Like don't, don't like ding, 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 ding. Like some players were like almost tremolo pick when they're trying to tune like ding, 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 ding. And it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, so just play normal, play a note, let it ring. Uh, and again, you know, I turn the tone knob down and I play, you know, my normal place that I play. I don't play closer to the 12th fret. I play the, where I normally play the guitar, right? My normal hand position. Um, I, I try not to change anything there. I just turn my tone knob down. And uh, in the studio, if I have, you know, the luxury of doing it, I'll check it with the tone knob up also. Just, you know, of course, you before anybody plays a part, they generally play a couple chords and... Um, but that's funny enough. That's my next point on the don'ts list. Uh, it's it's really frustrating to me when you know we tune up a guitar and it takes a minute or two and uh, we get it all good and the first thing uh, they do after we have tuned it up is do a nice like little bend or play uh, you know some rock and roll riff where the strings are now out of tune again. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, don't play anything after you've tuned, you know, once you've tuned, that's like the, you know, the red light is on, right? Like you're ready to go. Don't play anything, resist the temptation. Um, you know, try not to like chuck along, just wait, just wait until you're about to play. Um, you know, it, it's, I know it's hard, but that's to me, that's just a, a good habit to get into is you've tuned your guitar. It's good to go hit record. And then you don't touch your guitar until you're ready to come in, right? That, to me, is another just factor. Um, another thing is don't tune down too far towards the saddles. You know, I said before, like, you know, you can play closer to the saddles and the bridge and you'll get sort of a tighter uh, tuning while playing. 
you know, obviously the tone is a lot different down there. Like nobody really plays like right by the saddles unless they want like a bright clangy sound for like an effect. Um, but you know, I normally play like just past the first humbucker or just around, uh, you know, the edge of the telly, uh, humbucker or telly bridge pickup. I mean, um, I don't, I can't really describe where I play, but I, I don't play in the middle. I play a little bit closer to the bridge pickup. Um, and because of that, um, you know, you might naturally think, oh, well, I'll, I'll tune down here where the tension's really tight. But down there, the tone is way different. There's a lot of weird sort of upper nasally harmonics. So don't tune too far down there. If anything, uh, you can tune closer to the 12th fret, you know, by strumming or plucking or whatever down by the 12th fret. The reason I don't like to do that is because I don't play there. You know, like when I'm actually playing guitar or bass, I don't play down there. So I recommend playing where you normally play when you're tuning. Okay, just like I said, pretend like someone says, hey, play each open string uh, and you're just going to play it like you're playing a song, but that's the song. Um, you know, so don't think of it like you have to play harder or softer or quieter or anything. Just play normally. The other thing that I would like to say is, especially when it comes to strobe tuners and really picky rack tuners, don't be so insanely picky that it takes you five minutes to tune, okay? There is a certain part of it when it's like, all right, guitars and stringed instruments by nature are not a perfect system, okay? Especially, you know, mod, like Telecasters and Gibsons and all of those with straight frets, you know, uh, those are, they're not going to be perfectly in tune everywhere, if you really want a guitar that stays perfectly in tune everywhere, you're going to have to get either an ever Evertune bridge, you're going to have to get a fanned fret guitar, or a true temperament guitar, which actually has these sort of curved frets that are adjusted. Every single string is like perfectly in tune at every point. Um... There's a lot of players that play those. Andy McKee, the sort of famed acoustic player, plays a fan fret guitar. Steve Vai has lately been playing True Temperament guitar necks on his guitars. Um, you know, there's a lot of famous, uh, like, sort of hardcore punk and metal bands that are starting to play the Evertune bridges um, because they stay in tune and they really allow you to just sort of play how you play. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of factors there, but at the end of the day, try not to be too picky about it. Just develop good habits, you know, develop good technique and eventually tuning will be very quick. Um, and again, if you need to swap out some parts on your guitar, uh, you know, or if you're just having trouble in general, I recommend taking it to a luthier or local repair shop and just telling them like, I'm having trouble staying in tune. Um, it just doesn't seem to stay in tune really well for me. I might need a new nut or a new bridge, or I might just need, you know, the slots cleaned. I might need, um, them lubricated. I might have a burr on my saddle, um, or on my, br on my bridge. Um, I might need, I need all that stuff checked out. Now, the next thing I wanted to talk about is how to intonate guitars and basses. Now, there's a lot of confusion on this topic of how to intonate a guitar or a bass. And I swear to you, it's not that hard. Uh, for some reason, there's just lots of different varying opinions on this. And it's not really an opinion-based system. It's very clear how you do it. Um, so, uh, at least, I don't know, in my opinion. <laughs> in my opinion, it's not an opinion-based system. How about that? Um, so... I'm going to tell you how to intonate your guitar, 
all right, or bass. It works the same for both. Intonation is uh, changed by the saddles, and it essentially is adjusting the length of the string. Okay, if the saddles are closer to the neck, the string is, quote, shorter. And if the saddles are farther away from the neck, the string is longer, right? So if I say shorten the string, it means move the saddles closer to the neck. And the saddles are, you know, down by your bridge. Now, hopefully you have adjustable saddles on your guitar. If you don't have adjustable saddles, like you have a wraparound bridge, there's not much you can do here other than get a different bridge. Now, those are designed originally to be the exact location of where they need to be. But as we know, that doesn't always work. So we're going to just go through the whole process, how to tune and intonate your guitar, okay? So I've got a guitar plugged in here. This is my Telecaster. Just direct, nothing fancy, no amp or anything, just plugged in direct. So this is an example of the difference between um, playing with the tone knob all the way up and playing with the tone knob down. So here's tone knob all the way up. Listen to this. Hear all those brighter harmonics? Whereas if you have the tone knob down, right? That's on the bridge pickup. No, that's on my neck pickup. This is bridge. Notice there's even more sort of low-mid harmonics. Neck pickup. It's a very clear note as opposed to tone knob up, bridge pickup. There's a lot of mid-range and stuff like that going on that could confuse the tuner. Even on the high strings too. Here's a high E. Tone knob down. Neck pickup. Okay, so yeah, notice I'm playing it normally. I'm not going like, and I'm not going like, just barely playing. Okay, I'm just playing it normally. That's how I tune, right? Low E, high E, B, right? So let's tune this up real quick. Tone knob down, playing normally. another question I often get about tuning. Do you tune to the transient or do you tune to the sustain? And what I mean by that is, do you play it like this and tune to where the tuner first registers or do you tune to this part right here? So the transient being that part or the sustain being that part. Often on like the low E string, you'll get sort of this... Uh, it, it's a little bit sharp and then it sort of settles down into the pitch it's going to be. Me personally, I always tune to the sustain um, unless I'm doing something that's really heavy on uh, like and I will generally tune to that. But again, I don't I don't generally have a ton of tuning problems with that. Like I, I feel like more people talk about that than I do in terms of like, oh my strings going like bow, bow. And maybe it's that the gauge that I play, I typically play heavier gauge strings. 
Uh, I have for a long time. I don't tend to have that problem. You can hear it yourself. I mean, even when playing this pretty hard, I mean, that's, it's not really doing that thing. Um, this low string is a 50. I play 11 to 50 on my electrics. Um, 12s on short scales, like uh, Les Pauls sometimes. Um, not always, but I really like 12s on, on Les Pauls. Uh, and I play 12s or 13s on acoustic. So I generally like heavier strings. Um, but anyway, so we have tuned our guitar. Now we got to check our intonation. So to check your intonation, you need two things. First, you need to tune, and we're going to do this to uh, tone knob down. Uh, we're going to tune our open string again. Make sure that's good. Another tip that I got uh, from a Joe Walsh video was if you've got something that's sharp, uh, rather than tuning it down, you might first try to pull the string a little bit. And then tune up. Okay, now, so this is how you intonate. So you're going to check the tuning on the open string and uh, also the 12th, the 12th fret harmonic if you want to do that. Some people prefer to do that. Then you compare that to the 12th fret fretted like this. Now, if that's sharp, then you need to lengthen the string, meaning move the saddle farther away from the neck. If it's flat, you need to shorten the string, okay? There's, unfortunately, I don't really have a good way to like remember this, like a nursery rhyme or something, like what do you want from me? I just remember it, okay? If it's flat, you shorten it. If it's sharp, you lengthen it. So, in this case, it's a little bit sharp, so I will lengthen that. Let me grab a screwdriver. Typically very easy to adjust. So it is a little bit sharp, which means I need to lengthen the string. I'm just going to lengthen this a little bit. Now it will be sharp, so you need to... I, I usually stretch the string a little, tune it down, tune it back up. Open. 12th fret. Harmonic. Then play the 12th fret. Those are pretty much identical. 12th fret harmonic, 12th fret fretted. Harmonic, fretted. Okay, those two are great. So that is how you intonate. You then go through the whole process again on the next string. B string, play open. Check the 12th fret harmonic. And then the 12th fret fretted. Okay, that's a little bit flat, which means I need to shorten the string. Okay. Just a little bit. Now tune down, pull the string, tune back up. Twelfth fret, harmonic. Then 12th fret fretted. Alternating. Again, my tone knob is down for all this. Okay, I don't want that stuff getting in there. 
Now my harmonic and my fretted are about the same. Okay, that's they're really, really close. So then you just repeat that process for every single string. And in theory, again, in theory, um, if every string has the same pitch at the 12th fret, and I'm talking about as close as you can get it. I'm using my rack tuner, which is very precise. Um, as close as you can get it, then in theory, the neck will play in tune very well everywhere. It should play uh, like an E chord down here by the open, by the nut, and then an E chord up here. And it's still in tune. I can play a bar chord up here and open, and it's in tune. Right? That is how to intonate a guitar, and it works the same exact way on bass. So we've geeked out this entire episode on tuning and the specifics of tuning and what affects tuning. And uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about is how much does this really matter in the mix? And and should everything be perfectly in tune? And, and all those sorts of considerations. So I'll first start by saying that I have done records with Evertune guitars and, you know, I've done a couple records with um, the uh, compensated, you know, the true temperament necks with the bendy frets. And if everything is perfectly in tune, it, it can actually sound kind of weird because it's like too good. It almost sounds like fake in a way, like part of how uh, guitar and bass has sounded to us over the years, especially guitar has been a little bit imperfect because we're so used to hearing those chords being played on a guitar. And so it can be a little bit strange almost when the guitars are perfectly in tune, or it can even sound a little bit boring. Um, not always, sometimes it sounds amazing, but Sometimes when everything is perfectly in tune, and I mean with like ridiculous, like ever tuned bridges and like, uh, you know, compensated necks and frets and all this stuff, sometimes it can be a little bit strange. Um, that's not to say it's bad. Sometimes it can just be a little bit strange. Conversely, um, if you have a lot of things that are like really tight in tune in your mix, and then just like one or two things are just slightly out of tune, it can throw off the whole mix. So you kind of have to just commit all the way, right? Like if you're doing a punk rock record, I would not worry too much about the tuning being perfect, right? Like it's punk rock, right? Like if everything's perfectly in tune, it's going to sound like pop punk or like a more polished record. Okay, you want some of that roughness and some of those edges. I know it sounds a little dumb to kind of like think about it in terms of, oh, I'm purposely not going to tune this guitar as carefully because I am producing a punk rock record. I mean, but at the same time, that's kind of how you have to do it in a way. Like you can't worry about that stuff. You purposely have to not worry as much on those types of records. However, if you're doing something that's really open and spacious and everything's very clear and pristine, then you need to be a lot more careful about tuning. You know, something like maybe a country record um, or a Christian, like a worship record or something like um, maybe even a folk record where you have a lot of stringed instruments going on, like banjo and acoustic and mandolin. Like that stuff can get really annoying if it's out of tune. Um, and I, like I said earlier in the episode, if you're playing rhythm, you know, the tuning is going to be a little bit more important, like chords, but leads can get away with a little bit of imperfection and you don't notice it so much, um, typically. 
Uh, it depends on what the lead is, I guess. But uh, rhythms especially, you need to be very careful about that, especially on like records with lots of layers uh, of guitars. Um, now, the other factor that I will tell you, now, if you remember, um, a little while ago, we had an episode about width, okay? And one of the factors we talked about with width, one of the most important factors, is that the opposite of wide is mono, like narrow, like down the middle, dead center, right? Like that's the opposite of wide. And what that means is that the left and the right are identical. The same exact signal is coming out of the left and the right. That's what makes mono, okay? Um, down the middle, that is, pan center. It's the same signal in both speakers or, you know, both headphones identically in every way. Um, it, effectively, it's just a duplicate, you know, like what's panned left is panned right exactly the same way, everything, the same volume, the same phase, the same tone, the same everything. So with that in mind, think about it like this. If you like wide guitars, if both guitars are perfectly in tune, they can actually have some cancellation issues or some masking with each other and kind of seem a little bit narrower because they are perfectly in tune, especially if it's a record where you've been very cautious about tuning, you've probably been very cautious about timing as well. So if everything is perfectly in time, perfectly in tune, you're getting those sounds closer and closer to each other, which isn't really the way to get wide stereo guitars. Um, if you want your stereo guitars to sound wide, then the best way to make the left and the right sound wide is to make the left and the right sound different. And that's different in as many ways as you can imagine. So slightly different in rhythm, maybe. Maybe one is accenting and one is just playing straight. Um, maybe one is played a little bit more muted and the other one's just slightly muted. Um, maybe one is, you know, like really tight in tune and the other one is like just a little bit and, and I'm not talking about like purposely detuning I'm talking about um, just not worrying about it as much not being so picky about it just you tune up there it is there you go um, you know and and also that the left and the right guitars are different guitars that to me helps a lot as well uh, and maybe even different pickups so a lot of the times one of my favorite combos is to use the Telecaster on a bridge pickup uh, on one side and just sort of as a great rhythm sound. Uh, usually a tone knob rolled back just a hair. And then on the other side, I'll use something with like P90s, maybe in the middle position or maybe a humbucker guitar. Uh, just so they're a little bit different in the bottom end, the top end is both a little different. The mid range is a little bit different um, and it's different guitar. I'm going to play it slightly differently just because of the design of the guitar. Um, I might, you know, have a part that's a little bit just slightly different. Um, I might even go so far as to use a different pick or, you know, play at a different spot on the guitar. I want the left and the right to be slightly different and slightly imperfect and not identical because I feel like it makes my guitars sound wider and more interesting and easier to pick out of a mix as well. That one is slightly different, the other one's slightly different. And so you hear discrete like left guitar, right guitar. You could listen to qualities about either one. Um, now, I will say with things like bass and vocals, um, in many situations, you know, 
I tend to like those things with very good tuning. And I'm not saying you always have to tune vocals, but you know, if you've got a singer with really good pitch and you know, that's, that goes a long way. Let's be honest. Like regardless if you had to tune them or not, a singer with good pitch and, and in, in pleasing pitch, even if it's not perfect is pleasing. Um, you know, that can go a long way into making the entire mix sound good and sound better. And bass that's out of tune to me is just a nightmare. Um, guilty as charged. I often put auto tune on bass. Um, it sounds silly, but I swear it works. It really helps the bass, you know, make sure that it stays in tune and then it's holding down the low end very solidly. Um, the other factor I'd like to say about this is, um, make sure that your bass is in tune. Like when you're, if you're tracking things individually, say, you know, drums, then bass, then guitars, make sure your bass is in tune, really well in tune before you track guitars. Even if you got to pop on auto tune on the bass or whatever, um, because like it or not, you will react to the sound of the bass, um, when you're tuning guitars and checking guitars, even if the tuner says that it's perfect, you might have to, uh, you know, you naturally want to sort of adjust to the bass, but if you know that the bass is perfect, then tuning the guitars becomes much less of a headache. Typically, uh, back in the old days, you used to just tune to the piano if there was a piano on the track, because the piano likely was, you know, uh, a little bit out, and so everybody would just tune to the piano in the room. Now, today, most of our virtual instruments and any keyboard-type instruments, most of those are, like, perfectly in tune. Like, almost to a fault, where they're perfect, they're so perfectly in tune, uh, if anything else in the mix is out of tune, it becomes super noticeable. Because, like, all the piano, you know, samples and virtual instruments have been, like, meticulously sampled, and they had it tuned by the best piano tuner in L.A., and then they meticulously sampled every single note and all this stuff. And that's great, but you would then have this, like, make sure that everything else is really tied in tune or it's going to sound wrong. Um, now, thankfully, with most virtual instruments, you have the ability to sort of, like, slide the tuning just little bits if it seems a little bit off. Um, but still, um, there are some arguments for you still should tune to the piano, you know, if there is a piano in the production, that is. Um so anyway, I know this was a lot of geek stuff. I apologize to anyone who's listening to this and wanting recording tips, but in my mind, this is a recording, you know, this is a huge part of what I do when recording guitars is worrying about tuning and how making sure everyone's in tune. And, you know, you can have a great take ruined by being out of tune, which really sucks. So you got to make sure and maintain your guitars at the studio and, you know, I always tell my clients before they come to the studio, like, hey, make sure to get your guitar set up. I can set it up for you. I'll charge you, you know, whatever, 50 bucks to do it. Um, but I need the guitars a couple days before the session um, if you're going to do that. Make sure you got new strings. It's set up. Your action is good. Your intonation is good and all that stuff. And, you know, hopefully they all get it done because if they don't, um, you know, and we really like the sound of one of their guitars, we have to do it in the studio or it's kind of a nightmare to work with. So I try to make sure that all my guitars have, you know, fresh-ish strings and, you know, as, as fresh as, you know, they need to be. 
and um, you know they're intonated, they're tuned, they're set up, they sound good, they feel good. Um, usually about once a month, I go through every single guitar that I own, which is at this point about I don't know twenty. And I just, I play all of them and I check the strings, I check the setup, I make sure it sounds good, it feels good. Is there anything I would like to change? Does it, you know, does it need lighter strings or heavier strings? Um, typically speaking, you know, after a couple months of doing that, um, there's bound to be one guitar that's like, um, you know, this really just needs a new nut. Or I find something kind of somewhat major that I would prefer to adjust. Like, you know, I really just need to get a better tremolo on this or, you know, I really need a better bridge or this bridge is starting to kind of crap out on me or um, it's getting rusty and it's hard to adjust or whatever. There's things that just, it's general maintenance, right? So make sure you keep your instruments uh, in top shape and make sure your clients do as well. Uh, make sure you know how to intonate and tune your guitars with, uh, with forethought and intelligence and uh, may all of your guitars and basses be in tune. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Recording Lounge Podcast. See what I did there? Tuning in. As always, check out recordingloungepodcast.com for all your podcast needs. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, check out our Patreon and PayPal pages. You can go to recordingloungepodcast.com and click Support RL to learn more. If you have any comments, questions, criticisms, show ideas, suggestions, please send me an email at recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. I would love to uh, consider your ideas. Some of my best ideas for shows have come from listeners. Even this show came from a listener suggestion uh, that finally tipped me over the edge. I've had multiple people suggest a show about tuning. I even had an outline that I made about three years ago for this exact show. And uh, when I had somebody recently, I was talking to them on Facebook, and they said, uh, you know, how about a show about tuning? Just, you know, maybe it could be a short little show. And well, of course, an hour and 10 minutes later, here we are, and it was not a short little show. So <laughs> um, regardless, I hope this show has been informative. I hope you've learned a few things, and hopefully your guitars and basses stay in tune and sound great on all of your sessions. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. <laughs>